This episode of Bright Hearth is brought to you by the Kings Ridge Elderberries and our friends at Patreon.com. In Romans 12:18, the Apostle Paul writes, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Good counsel, and counsel too often neglected by the average Christian. How often has pride held you back from reconciling, from forgiving that old bitterness, from covering that offense, or from returning that harsh quip with a soft and gentle word instead of a sarcastic and rude one? This principle, the principle of the primal importance of Christian peacemaking, is an essential point for Christians to master, especially if they want to push fruitfulness and faithfulness on down the generations in productive Christian households and church communities. But don't miss this. That same apostle also rebuked and warned against an enemy by name in 2 Timothy 4, 14 and 15. Quote, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. Apparently, the call to live at peace can sometimes require words that have the edge of a sword. Or consider what he said even to his friend and co-laborer, Peter, in Galatians 2. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Faithful are the wounds of a friend, as Proverbs 27.6 teaches us. See, Paul knew that not everybody repents at the first correction. He knew that not every offense should be covered over. He knew that the way to obey the call to be at peace with all men sometimes actually depends on our willingness to follow the biblical pattern for correcting those caught in sin. In this episode of Bright Hearth, we'll be talking through what that looks like, how to follow the Lord's patterns for dealing with sin when it must be dealt with. Welcome back to Bright Hearth, everybody. Brian and Lexi are here with another episode. It is about good. About peacemaking. Peacemaking. Yes, peacemaking. And really, peacemaking 101 sort of stuff. Peacemaking 101 sort of stuff. Uh, a lot of the, the material I know we've been covering in this season is stuff that, I mean, I hope a lot of you guys have already heard somewhere. And functions as kind of a good exhortation and reminder. It's like Paul often repeating himself in his letters. Uh, how often does Paul write about the same issue to multiple churches or even within the same letter, repeat himself? Well, it's because we're forgetful. We often don't actually practice what we know. And so it's good to be reminded. And uh, we hope this season has been helpful to you guys and uh, maybe brought to the surface uh, conviction that you haven't dealt with some issue in your life, in your family or your household, because really it's like, how can you have a productive Christian household if sin isn't constantly being dealt with and if Christians aren't aiming to live at peace with one another? Before we jump into the topic here, let me just remind you that uh, the King's Ridge Elderberries, uh, who sponsored this episode, they have a, a discount code for us. It's in the description. It's BrightHearth, code BrightHearth, all lowercase, no spaces, and if you use that code, you get 10% off your order. So definitely take advantage of that. With uh, and like, it, it seems like the high summer right now, but the cold season is right around the corner. Well, 
Thank you, China Balloon. We've been sick all summer anyways. <laughs> China Balloon? <laughs> Did that make everybody sick? Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. Who knows what made everybody sick? I hadn't heard that. Everyone everyone has definitely been sick all summer. So though. the China Balloon was just flying over us, mm-hmm. just dropping Wuhan viruses all China over balloon. us. Yep. This is crazy. We actually got- You heard it here on Bright Hearth, Kit. Well, um, Ira, <laughs> Ira got- I shouldn't falsely accuse, but- Ira got I didn't sick. say it. Someone hey, else made me say it. You didn't say that- <laughs> A certain Chinese person. You said all of China's responsible. So actually, I guess that's Ira even was worse. sick last time we recorded, and he got really sick. And oh, actually, yeah. we did break out the elderberries, and we it, they were really good. They were so American elderberries. That's right. So yeah, check that out and uh, fight the China balloon with us. Which <laughs> with is not. Elderberries. I just want to be clear: the Kings Ridge did not tell us to say that their no. elderberries fight communist no. balloons, but they can but if help. It does. You. Definitely feel better. Good for them. <laughs> Definitely fight some illnesses, and they're full of antioxidants. So check it out. Actually, you guys have been sending in your questions for our next season, which is coming up very quickly, and uh, keep doing that. There's a, a link in the description at the bottom where you can send in a question. Try to keep it. Uh, we've gotten a lot of really long questions. Try to distill your question down into a sentence or two that is broad enough and general enough that you think it might apply to a lot of listeners. We've gotten some really good ones, and a lot of them have to do with natural health. So I know we're going to be talking about that in a couple episodes. I, you guys have to have other questions outside of that, though, right? Oh, yeah. They've got Please. tons. Okay. It's Send not all going to be elderberries okay, good. fighting good, balloons good. without fighting communist spy balloons we dropping Wuhan on us. Well-rounded people. We want well-rounded people. That's right. Well, this episode, uh, like we sort of signaled that in the cold open here, uh, we're going to talk about what do you do when you actually need to confront someone caught in a trespass? Last week, we talked in, in pretty good detail about how to sort of do an inventory to decide, do I need to, is this a coverable offense? Or is this something that the Lord would actually have me bring to my brother, to my sister, and uh, to actually confront in them? And so in this episode, a lot of you followed up and you said, hey, that's great. This is really good information. Really helpful, but a couple different questions came up multiple times. Number one, but what do we do when they don't repent? And the thing is, not everybody repents the first time. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Really? Weird. Wouldn't it be great if everybody, like whenever the kids fought, if it was like, hey guys, have you thought about just getting along? Yeah, Matthew 18 is really good to teach kids. Actually, very, very good. It is very Don't helpful. forget to teach it to your kids. Yes, yes. So we're going to talk about that and work through... Matthew 18. I'm going to have Lexi read it for us here in a second. But before we do that, this is Matthew 18, 15 to 20. I do want to note that there are situations that are not necessarily covered in Matthew 18. So the the confrontational steps here in Matthew 18 do not universally apply to every single type of conflict. And one example might be from what I read in Galatians, that Paul actually opposed Peter to his face before witnesses a false teacher can be fairly confronted publicly for public false teaching. You don't have to write Benny Hinn a letter or try to get with him and bring multiple witnesses before you say, hey, don't listen to false teachers. We have examples biblically of people who, in certain circumstances, are justified in you know, just simply confronting the sin, sometimes in a more public way than what we're discussing here. So that's an important note to make. Because sometimes I have heard people use Matthew 18 in that way. Yeah, that's true. They say, oh, did you did you try to reach out to that pastor first? Yeah, and you're like, like well, well... it was a public sermon that they knew they were putting online, right. so... <laughs> like, we've in, in the past, I mean, there have been 
teachings even in local churches that I've referenced and said, yeah. like, you know, in this church, you might hear them say this, and I'm going to explain why we don't believe that here, and and it's a public refutation of a teaching, Yeah. hopefully ironically and, and, and humbly, but it's that's what it is, and it's like, if someone writes a book, you can publicly uh, write your criticism of the book. You don't have to, like, <laughs> yeah. your Amazon review doesn't have to wait until you've talked to John no, Piper. No, Right, so... <laughs> Or whomever. I don't know why I said John Piper. But what we're going to do here is just work through this. Lexi, why don't you go ahead and read that for us, 18, 15 through 20. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Good stuff. Very good. Uh, in this passage, Jesus is obviously talking about sin in the midst of the body of Christ. So he's not talking about sin necessarily, amongst unbelievers, he's saying this is particular practice for how we deal with sin when we're in the body of Christ. Your brother is sitting against you, or your sister is sitting against you. And um, we're going to work through this in just some discrete steps. Again, this is one of those things you should file away under Christianity 101, stuff all of us should have down cold, and and sort of default to in our categories. want to be really, really clear on these steps. The, the first step in this process is actually something we're not going to discuss a lot today because it was essentially what we talked about in the last few episodes, right? Like before you go and confront your brother, do make sure it's not an offense you need to cover. You're not just annoyed. There's an actual sin. Yeah, that's true. You could make sure you can give, give it a biblical sin before you actually move through the rest yeah. of the steps. Yeah. Name it. Self-examination. Yep. You can't accuse somebody of being their, your source of a spiritual desert. That's not a biblical sin. You can't do that. <laughs> right. You need to be able to give a name to it, a good and necessary consequence or a name from Scripture. And you, you need to go having prayed for them, examined yourself. And I'm talking typically. Sometimes something might happen, and right in the moment, you realize you need to bring it up right then. But in a general way, I'm talking about things when you've been really considering, should I bring this up or not? Well, once you've done that self-examination, basically see the last episode uh, or two that we've that we've done here on Bright Hearth. Once you've done that, the first step that that the Lord commends is to confront them, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. So it's pretty straightforward. The basic practice, go and confront him, go and bring him his fault alone. What does that mean? Like give a little example of something I'd say? Yeah, why don't we do that? Let's maybe give an, give an example of a scenario and how you might well, best practice Well, you could here. say, you could pick up the phone you could talk in person, but you could say, hey, I noticed either this, you know, this one specific instance, this thing you did seemed wrong, or, you know, maybe maybe I have it completely. Because you kind of want to leave a an out for them to explain themselves, if that makes sense. Because yeah, yeah. maybe you are misunderstanding. So you could just say, I'm concerned about this thing I saw happen. Was that really the case? Or was it not the case? If I'm correct, how can I help you? How can I pray for you? How can yeah. I get you the resources you need, basically? Yeah, that's probably what I would do. Yeah, an example of this, this happens all the time. Let's say, especially amongst 
Do you want um, a real world example of someone I had to call? Well, like I was going to say ladies and uh, situations of gossip a lot in church oh, okay. circles where you might have a lot of ladies, ladies in, in men tend to like, you have a, a dinner party at the church or a potluck. Mm-hmm. The guys often go in one corner and they're talking and the ladies go in one corner. It's just natural and normal. Mm-hmm. You might have situations. These are eyes. I mean, these are pretty garden variety, little sins mm-hmm. where maybe you notice that one of your friends, ladies is she is constantly talking about people, other people who aren't there in an inappropriate way, in a gossipy way. And you've noticed this a couple of times and you realize it's this is a pattern. It's not just a a one-off sort of thing. How might you go and talk to a friend in that situation? Yeah, I would I would probably tell them, like start by saying, you know, this is, isn't easy. This is slight, kind of awkward. I've been yeah. praying for you. I haven't wanted to do this, but if I really believe scripture, I feel like I have to like put your love for them and your obedience to scripture out there. Yeah. So they kind of have to argue with that if they're going to take offense. But then I would just say, there's no easy way to say this, but I have noticed that you seem to be talking negatively about people a lot when they're not around. Yeah. Give some examples specifically. Yes. That's what I would say. I would, if you can't give a specific example, you're probably not to the point where you should be contacting them like this. That's a good point. Yeah. But yeah, so be very specific, but mm-hmm. just say it. And it coming out of your yeah. mouth will feel like fumbling, but you have mm-hmm. to just say it. Yeah, it's okay <laughs> to like rehearse, be prepared. Yeah. Be prepared with a few concise sentences where you're like, look, I've thought this through in my head. I know exactly what I'm going to say. Last Tuesday at Psalm Sing, we were all there talking, and this is the third time in a row specific. that I've heard you talk about Janie, whatever, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> and... Talk about, you know, she, you know, she's been arguing with her husband at home and it's been really, she said, it's been tough and I think this and that and that. And it's just not an appropriate context. I think that was gossip. I, I, I think that it would be helpful for you to, to, maybe you're not realizing that's what you're doing, but that's, that's really a, a sin. And, and I think it's a sin you need to repent of and you need to apologize to Janie and, or Jen, did I say Janie or Jenny? We have a Jenny. Jenny. I don't want to use any names that are Janie, actually in our church. Janie, we weren't we gossiping about you. <laughs> we have all these names. Okay. Like we don't Laquanda. have a Jenny, though, so. We don't? Okay. We don't good. have a Jenny. I didn't think we did. Um, if we have a Jenny, I'm sorry. I, I am your friend. I just forgot your we name. We just forgot. Apparently. Okay. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and then maybe sometimes you need to help name. This is what I think repentance would look like in this situation. You probably need to apologize to the ladies that you gossip to and say, yeah. hey, I've talked to Jenny. I shouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. I've already told her and, and repented to her. Please forgive yeah. me. That was gossip. Yeah. And with well, with gossip specifically, I would say like you need to encourage the person mm-hmm. to work, not just like repent of the gossip, but obviously there's a root of bitterness there. You need to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and And then as the person who is confronting the sin, you're doing so in a way where you're trying to to show them that the door of repentance and grace is a good door. Yeah. It's like, I'm not trying to be bitter against you forever. No, I'm actually no. saying this so we can head any of that off. Yeah. And there's that verse too that I often think about when you guys as elders have had to confront big issues. I've thought about the verse, I have prayed for you guys that you would be able to be quick to forgive because yeah. I don't remember, I feel like it's in Corinthians where Paul is saying like, you need to forgive him quickly or yes. else he will be given over to the devil and like despair, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you need to be able to forgive them quickly, even in that conversation. So you want to make that forgiveness be a swift remedy, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and that was a very egregious sin where Paul had uh, rebuked the church in Corinth in First Corinthians 
for allowing extreme sexual promiscuity. Yeah. And then in the second letter to them, he said, hey, that man repented. Stop being mean to him. Yeah, like, exactly. Re- receive him so he doesn't that, fall That is despair. totally a temptation. Absolutely. Especially in very hard circumstances where you have been patient, you have been forgiving, you have been kind, you have been a listening ear. Yeah. It can be really hard. So you do have to be quick to... Another thing, I and mean, Jesus is specifically talking to this in uh, Matthew 18, 15. And I'm not saying what we just said doesn't apply, because it does. But he's he's even specifically saying, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. So a lot of times what happens is, like, let's say that you have a friend or somebody in the church, or it's your spouse, or it, you know, just someone close to you, and, you know, things they say regularly hurt your feelings. Like, yeah. they're being yeah. sarcastic and rude. Mm-hmm. They're joking at your expense in the group. Like, they're they're just... There's all kinds of things that we all have been there where something someone is consistently doing is getting under your skin and you've, you're tr- you've tried to cover it over, but it's genuinely bothering you. Mm-hmm. And you're being tempted at this point with a root of bitterness, mm-hmm. with now being like, well, I'm not going to be their friend anymore. I'm not going to talk to them. Jesus specifically is telling us, no, we need to gain our brother. Yeah. Like th- if they're sinning, it's it's they're actually dividing from you. You need to be in fellowship. Yeah, fellowship. You need to be in fellowship. So and the way to do that is sometimes go and tell him his fault. And what we're tempted to do is to go gossip about it. I'm just so annoyed this person keeps doing this and they keep bringing to three people whose business it isn't <laughs> or to gossip in our head and to, you know, argue with them in our head like, oh man, I'm just rehearsing this conversation that you should be having with them them. (laughs) just in a lot of this it's simply i think you would agree it's a matter of courage yeah that yeah the failure is totally well that's something i was going to say at the beginning you said this should be basic 101 but i just don't think it is because Mm -hmm. i think the average evangelical church first of all doesn't practice any form of church discipline and if they do it's only the major cases so they're not the average Christian isn't thinking going to your brother alone is also church discipline. That's right. But it is. Absolutely it is. And it actually prevents the worst church discipline down the road. Yeah, people people think when they hear church discipline, I taught on this in a sermon series you go listen to, it's called On Membership. It's for membership at our church. But people think of church discipline as like this thing that happens when someone's excommunicated, which is true. But 90 plus percent of church discipline should happen with no elders involved whatsoever. It's just Christians yeah. doing what we just talked about. Yep, That's actually a part of church discipline. And because of membership, because there's a covenant vow there, you owe it to your brothers yeah. and sisters to do this with them. It's for their yeah. sanctification and yours. So if you're not willing to do this, yeah. you're kind of stealing... Their their sanctification? Yeah. Yeah, you, you can sin by omission yeah. when someone else sins by commission, by not obeying Jesus. Because he says... If your brother sins against you, yeah, and this is not contradicting anything about covering offenses or being hard no. to offend, no. But when you've done that self-examination, that process, and someone sins, and you're like, "Look, I I can't let this go." Jesus is telling you, "Do this," and it's something we yeah. need to do quickly enough that you know Jesus talks in another place about if you if you realize someone has something against you, and you're about to bring a gift to the altar, leave your gift and go. Like, go be reconciled quickly. Our friends Trevor and Autumn Perkins own and operate the Kings Ridge Elderberry Farm in East Central Indiana. They believe, as Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. 
from the antioxidant and vitamin-rich berries to their knowledge of plants and soils and the ridge where their plants are cultivated. They grow American elderberries because their berries have higher quantity and more stable antioxidants than their European counterparts. Kings Ridge is a quality-oriented family farm focused on building Christendom. Whether you need tasty elderberry syrup or want the highest quality, fresh frozen juice or berries for making syrups, jams, pies, or wine, don't buy dried European elderberries and support the global economic agenda. Visit tkrfarm.com and purchase your elderberry needs from the Kings Ridge elderberries. That's tkrfarm.com or click the link in the description of this episode. So fellowship is something we need to get to quickly. Um, this can go wrong, this step. I think cowardice is one we've mentioned, uh, just a failure to do this at all. Uh, I think this can go wrong when people try to do it through text and email, when it needs to happen through at least a phone call or a face-to-face. Yeah. If you're confronting somebody, yeah, I think it needs to be a phone call. If mm-hmm. you feel like you've done something wrong, you need to apologize to somebody else, I think it's okay to text them. Yeah. Wouldn't the, you say? Especially depending on the severity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, Definitely. The things I'm thinking of were not super severe. If you've but... committed adultery, do not text the person, right? Yeah. Don't be like, I'm sorry this happened. Yeah. Obviously, you I guess what I mean that, is but... sometimes, so you're working on the gossip angle. Sometimes you realize pretty quickly that that has happened, and it you're, you can't necessarily wait to see the next person, yeah. to see them again. So it can be easier to quickly... I genuinely forget things sometimes that I want to talk Absolutely. to people about. And then having kids around at church is not mm-hmm. always easy. So sometimes I do think it's sufficient. But like you're saying, if it's a bigger deal, you need to make a point yeah. to yeah. try to talk to them. You could even pick up the phone, give them a call. Like, I understand, especially, you know, ladies at home with lots of kids. That's what I was going to say. Is It's not like you have time to just go get coffee twice a week. Yeah, you know? yeah. I but did you- have something similar like this happen recently mm-hmm. where I just, I told them, I said, I'm genuinely not in a season of life where it's, possible for me to do this thing I know we need to talk can we talk over the phone and once both of us knew like nobody's offended right in the conversation then actually a text was sufficient totally or leaving a voicemail hey yeah yeah that's um, true I know they probably they might not be able to answer but hey I just need to uh, get this my conscience clean I I was a turd about you or I was rude (laughs) to you last night I was really sarcastic and there's no excuse please forgive me yeah. And then they might call you back or text you be like, hey, I'm busy with kids, forgiven, Lord Lord be with you. So there's lots of ways that this can go wrong, but a lot of them are going to come back to just simply failure to do it. A lot mm-hmm. of people worry about not doing it perfectly, and so they don't do it at all. Yeah. So so we yeah. need to we need to get this in our bones to be be courageous. We're not we don't have a spirit of fear, like we're Christians. So be courageous. Um and then one other thing I'd say, make sure it's private at this step. This shouldn't be like in front of six people at the church. If you're if you're confronting someone, I mean, like if if you're confessing to someone, you can you can choose if it's okay that these other people are there. That's your call. But if you're actually going to say, "Hey, I think you're in sin," give them a chance to have it done privately because otherwise, you're putting stumbling blocks. You're going out of order. Treat people with the measure you'd want to be treated. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, The next step, uh, he says, if you've listened. If, if they listen to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not, verse 16, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So the next step is very simple. It's bring witnesses. Yeah, so I guess my question, I've never had this, I've never had to go to this step before is uh-huh. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So 
what then, if you don't want to gossip about the person, how do you, so say the conversation goes badly. They are like, yeah, yeah. whatever. You're just jealous of me or something. I don't know. Some stupid thing. Right. What do you then, do you go and get a bunch of people on your team? Like, how does that work? <laughs> what I would say is the, because this is the thing at this point, it starts to get branched off into a lot of different scenarios Okay. Where Specifics if you're like unsure, let me yeah. put it this way: if you're unsure what to do, seek wise counsel, that's, preferably from your elder. That's what I was thinking: was you you would almost have to go seek help from wiser people than you. Yeah, if you're unsure and you don't feel confident that you're about to make the the wise next step, mm -hmm. I think it's totally possible from the an appropriate party to get counsel without gossiping. Okay, yeah. Because this, like for shepherds, it's the duty uh, to know the state of the flocks. If there's a big conflict happening and it's to this point, the elders might want to know and they might offer yeah. to be, to either say, you know what, you should you should have this person in the church yeah. go with you. And a, there, there's two there's two basic like pathways, I think, that the witnesses can take as well. Number one, it's important to just see what Jesus says. He's actually talking about establishing a charge. So yeah. There's other purposes like mediation can be helpful, uh, having outside people that are maybe not as interested in it. Where it's like, I think you sinned against me. I need a I need a third party to to like call balls and strikes. Okay. okay. Where where I can say, hey, and and this is the way I would describe it. Let's say that you have that gossip conversation back to Jenny, where you know Cindy Lou. Now it's Jenny. Jenny. No, it's like Jenny. <laughs> Jenny. I've combined them. <laughs> okay. Cindy Lou feels that Janny, Janny Hoodoo, has been gossiping for three psalm sings in a row. She's she's talked to her privately and she brought the she did it all right. You said this, I remember it clearly. You said this on the other occasion. It, it's gossip. And here's the verse. Like and you you do need to repent. And they just you are such a Pharisee. I can't believe it. I've had such a hard time. I'm just trying to Christ get counsel. Christ died for that sin. Christ died for that sin? <laughs> I'm offended. And you know what? This conversation's over. Now we have a problem. Because now there's sin multiplying. That's what happens when people don't repent. So what Jesus is talking about primarily first here is the biblical standard for establishing guilt, which is that one person can't get, just say something, and on the basis mm -hmm. of one witness, you charge somebody with something. Yeah. You can't just say this is this affects how we discipline our children. Yeah. When someone comes in from the backyard and one kid goes, they punched me right in the mouth. And then you you say, "Okay, I'm sorry, let's talk to them." Do we have any witnesses for this? Like I could I pull this up This is also why our court system is innocent until proven guilty, correct? Yeah, it's it's built on case law okay. from this principle. And part of why you should be okay with this is because you're willing you're willing to leave room for the wrath of God. That's right. Not your own wrath. Our criminal system, biblical justice, errs on the side of letting a guilty party go free rather yes. than accidentally convicting an innocent party. Correct. That's why our legal system does. It's built on Deuteronomy 19, 15, and other passages in the Old Testament. So we should want similar in our relationships right. because we would want others to do that for us. So one reason you could bring let's say that gossip situation, you might go to a trusted, mature Christian who is not an interested party in the sense it's not Jan, it's not Janny. Yeah, that's what I was saying, a neutral, <laughs> neutral party. Or a neutral party who's a godly, mature Christian that the other person would reasonably think so too. 
And um, you could, the way that I would do this, uh, it, this is, again, takes more, even more courage. It's difficult. Um, I would let them know the person that I'd had the conversation with. And I would say, look, who was it? Who was Cindy Lou? Cindy Lou. I told you that we had a conversation um, where I brought some specific sins to light that, that I'm still convinced you need to repent of. And it doesn't seem like you're repenting of them. I'd like to meet again with, and, and I'd like to bring along this person or this person and this person from the church and uh, have them also have a conversation where we could talk about this again. And you could, if, if you think I'm wrong, you could explain to them why you think I'm wrong, but, but let's have another conversation. I have a question now. Yeah. Has someone ever gotten you as the, the second or third party because they went to somebody since you're a pastor has someone ever come to you and say, hey, I, I tried to confront them one-on-one. -on -one. It didn't work out. Can you come with the next step? Have you done that? Yes, it's super okay. awkward. Okay. <laughs> That's the thing you just need to know is that okay. all of this is so awkward <laughs> because we're conflict-averse. Okay. We would rather cover, cover like, just Because I've never had someone come to me and say, like, hey, I need you to come back. Yeah. With re I've never been a reinforcement, I guess. <laughs> and it's, it's probably good because it means there's a lot of repenting happening. Yeah, that's often. what I was going to say. And the thing is, maybe at that point, the person might realize, oh, they're actually serious. And yeah. you know what? Hey, you're right. I did. That's the goal at every step of this is yes. that even the the threat, I will say, of this next thing happening yeah. is supposed to be a sobering. We've yeah. all sworn as members of our church, for example, mm. to pursue the purity and peace of the body of Christ in yeah. our local congregation, right? So we want this to happen, and everybody's sworn vows to it. Misunderstandings happen. Mm -hmm. And so for the sake of the purity and peace of the body, sometimes is what you have to do. And And there's, you know... It's it's awkward, it's difficult, but it's important and biblically necessary because of the establishment of guilt. Mm -hmm. You have to have multiple witnesses who deal with things biblically. And, and a little leaven leavens a whole. That's right. Whole lump. I mean, we've seen in cases where this, well, specifically excommunications, where the sin was leavened in the lump. Like, yeah. it's just how it was, so... Yeah. You you don't want you don't want to be the reason your lack of courage for the mm -hmm. sin to be leavening and yeasting up a storm in there. Yeah, we always give the example in membership interviews because we specifically ask people in membership interviews that would they be willing to to have the fortitude to bring biblical charges against an elder that they are convinced is caught in sin with witnesses because the scriptures explicitly say you can't bring charges except with multiple witnesses against an elder. And we give the example of like let's say that you saw an elder. A couple towns over, on a on a weekday night at a, at a restaurant with a woman that you know is not their wife, and they seemed kind of bent out of shape when they saw that you noticed. Oh them. my gosh, how awkward right? would that be? Uh, totally. We give this example because it's, and then we usually move into general church discipline because it kind of establishes the point that. But can you imagine the alternative of confronting it? What if that pastor is an adulterer? Yeah, that's going to affect the entire church. Yep. So you will actually be sinning if you don't bring a charge. Yeah. And of course, people get it, and then you can extrapolate and say, now, same with another member. You wouldn't want Brother Joe coming and taking communion and pretending to be at peace with everybody while he's in an, uh, an adulterous relationship. So it, th this is very awkward, and it takes courage, but it's, it's worth it because the glory of Christ and the health of the sheep literally are at stake. Oh, yeah. Whole churches Ugh. die because of a failure of discipline. And I don't think, I think as like a pastor's family, we see this in really 
nuanced ways. Yeah. But a lot of people won't see it in the same way. So they would just kind of like brush it off. But it's mm-hmm. like, no, really, please do this. <laughs> yeah. Even since like adultery is a big one, but go- gossip, we keep talking about gossip can absolutely wreck yeah. churches up. Yeah. Lead to things like entire church splits. Unconfronted. Yeah. The- these little garden variety sins, little quote unquote, man, they metastasize. I think they there's some everywhere. of the harder ones to confront, like knowing yeah. that your friend has a very biting spirit, like how yeah. it, it's even harder. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, we can so bringing witnesses, on. how can this step go wrong? I mean, again, not doing it, bringing the, the immature witnesses. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. You really can. People that are too hasty to want to. <laughs> yeah. Gossip it up at this step and be like, I'm looking for witnesses against brother Jim. <laughs> And you go and tell 40 people on, on Facebook you, yeah. who are my witnesses. Yeah, right. Like, come on. That's true though. People do. They jump on, an, they jump on Instagram or they jump on Twitter or they jump on Facebook and they start like hashing out stuff that genuinely ought to be private. It, it does again remind me of the kids when they'll see somebody running to tell mom something happened and someone will, I'm the witness. I'm the witness. <laughs> it's like, you're too eager to be tattling on your be like, can't husband. wait to see the discipline come down on the head <laughs> of the unwitting uh, sinner. But they're getting it. They're starting to get it. They're starting to get it. That's right. That's right. So Jesus says, bring along two, one or two others with you. And then verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. This is when, at this point, there's so many branches that what I'm going to say is you should talk to your elders because various churches and uh, have different polity. You know, you might be elder ruled. You might be congregationally ruled. You might be in an Anglican or a Presbyterian system. You might be Reformed Baptist. You might be an SBC church with one pastor and then a deacon board. Like, I don't know what your polity looks like, but the general gist of this step is actually not where we often leave it, which is just tell the elders. It's also it's tell the church. Mm-hmm. So at the end of this step, <laughs> if somebody's unrepentant, what's happening is that the membership of a church, in my opinion, if this is done correctly, are are sufficiently aware of the sin and the measures that have been taken to call the person to repentance and their continued unrepentance that the membership of the church with one voice agrees this person is not a Christian, and so we are going to move to the next step, which is to treat them as a tax collector or a gent, basically to treat them as an unbeliever who is in sin. And this is not something that the pastors by themselves should do. This is something that the church says. I believe the pastors in different polities and ours, we have certain processes where the, the elders are definitely responsible for overseeing and there's trials where witnesses are allowed to be called and defense made and appeal made and that sort of thing. There's lots of different polity, but the elders often govern it or the pastors or whatever board you have, whatever leadership structure. But at the end of that process, what needs to happen, and this is why this is so sobering, is that what Jesus is saying is that we're declaring somebody an unbeliever. Well, that's what I was going to say is I think a lot of people don't connect the comment at the end with the keys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The church actually has... Like people who have a low view of authority get really yeah. annoyed by this and they don't like membership because they don't want accountability. But the God yeah. literally says you have the keys, you have authority. The church has actual authority to declare that, yeah. which is why this should be scary. Yeah, when we pronounce, which is rare, but when we've pronounced somebody an unbeliever as a church, what we're saying is 
we're binding this on earth, and, and God says he will bind it in heaven, and whatever will be loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. He's basically saying that when we agree, doing this process in obedience to him, that the church has actual authority to declare the verdict. Mm-hmm. And and that to such an extent that they can't just go to another church. If they go to another no. local church, we as the elders contact that assembly. And to varying degrees of cooperation, we've had good cooperation in the past. Yeah. Tell the, the elders of that church, um, hey, don't let this person in. They're an unbeliever. This is how we know that they're an unbeliever. Uh, and if they talk to you or attempt to join your fellowship, you need to call them to repentance on this issue and affirm the ruling of our church, mm-hmm. which uh, does happen. And the goal, of course, is that we're we're treating them as a tax collector and unbeliever so that they don't continue with the illusion of membership in Christ and continue to experience the benefits of that in a lying way. Yes. In a way that would actually mislead them. Yes. Because ultimately, we're concerned for their soul. Yeah, and it's sad to see... I mean, we've also had cases, a little fuzzier, but where you guys tell someone that they need to repent. I I can think of multiple cases, I think, of adultery specifically with women that leave. And you know that people at that other church know that that's going on. And nobody, they leave our church because they're annoyed that the pastors actually confront the issue. Mm -hmm. And then, but you also know the pastors at the other churches aren't going to do anything about that. And it's it's kind of sad. Yeah, we have had that happen. Mm Mm-hmm. So at this step, what I would say is you need to ask your elders for guidance. In most cases, but at this point, they probably know. They're probably aware of it. Like, you're gathering witnesses. You're coming to them. At this point, things can go wrong. You can railroad somebody. You can not let them sufficiently answer the charges because churches do falsely excommunicate people. So the church needs to be very sober about this and um, pronounce these verdicts in a weighty way. They need to be public. So you need to have the confidence that you can demonstrate with evidence to the degree that you're willing to publicly state on a Sunday or at a member's meeting or of some public gathering of the church that, you know, Jenny Luhu, well, I've now combined the two, is excommunicated from the church. I was just thinking the Martin Luther, that would that was totally a false accusation from the church courts. Yeah, That's that really this happens. a drastic example, but yeah. it does happen. Yep, yep. So then at that point, our goal is to pray for them, pray for their repentance, to treat them as a Gentile or tax collector, which doesn't mean that we're rude to them. It actually means that we treat them as an unbeliever who needs to be converted. Yeah. But again, like this isn't mean, you guys. This is a kindness. If somebody is wrecking up the flock, biting the sheep, it is a kindness to people to make it a clean cut and say, you don't have to be in fellowship with them because Christians are nice people who have the Holy Spirit who want to love others. And when there are wicked people in the church taking advantage of other people, it can be really awkward, especially for women, to to not know what to do. I mean, we have been in Mm -hmm. this situation before where, where the elders have called husbands and said, do not let your wives over there anymore. They do not need to be over there. For various reasons. So I I saw when that circumstance happened, what a kindness that God cuts that off for us yeah. so that we don't have to awkwardly wonder, are we loving them enough? Yeah, that's right. It's like a covenant breaker in a marriage. Correct. If somebody is exactly. unrepentantly in adultery, exactly, it is a kindness that the Lord has given permission in circumstances where that person can be dealt with by the civil magistrate 
with things like the death penalty for adultery or in excommunication, which is essentially the equivalent of you're, you're pronounced spiritually dead in the hopes of resurrection, but that you're, you're not a Christian. It's a kindness to that person. Yeah. It's a kindness to them because they can't, you know, in extreme cases, think about like someone who, uh, a spouse who basically just goes completely wild and goes and starts being promiscuous and, and they get AIDS or they get a, and then you can't, yep. you're not going to tell that spouse. You have yeah. to continue to give the conjugal rights to that adulterer no. and, and get AIDS themselves. Like they, they're going to, they're not, you don't have to participate in that sin anymore. They chose to break the covenant. They did. They chose it. And so uh, this is a kindness for everybody. It's yes. a kindness for the sinner and it's a kindness for the, those sinned against and those who are in danger of being infected, including our children and children's children. So, so let me just read this to end this episode here. Immediately after this, in verse 21, uh, Peter says, Then Peter came up and said to him, to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? And then Peter makes this very magnanimous, like, as many as seven times? And <laughs> you can just hear Peter. He's like, like, I'm real, Lord, I'm very patient. This is how we are. Like, God, I'm so patient. I've already forgiven him three times for this. How many more until I can just be done with him? Four more? And Jesus said to him, verse 22, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. So how many times in this step or in this process do we want to see it interrupted with genuine repentance and turning from the sin at every step? And if they do that, what do we do? Forgive them. Yep. And reconcile. We seek to restore the fellowship, and then they might do it again. <laughs> and you bring it back up. You say, "You did." You remember that thing we talked about? You did <laughs> and they say, oh, "You're right." Yeah, I sinned. Please forgive me. Yep. And you say, "Of course, I forgive you, as the Lord has forgiven me." And and, and this is the measure thing. Yeah, the measure the Lord uses with you when when we sin for the fiftieth time in some category. And we're like, Lord, please forgive me. You know, we get get on our knees on Sunday at the confession of sin. We're like, Lord, this week I was impatient with the kids again. Please forgive me. And uh, the Lord's like, yes, you're forgiven. Christ died for that. He died, he rose. The record of that debt was nailed to the cross. That's the attitude with which we are to confront sin and forgive sin Yeah. in the midst of the body. And if you do this graciously to other people, you will likely be a protection in the future, you will come to mind as a protection against that particular sin, I'm certain. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Remember that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, and that's true for us as well. It's often the kindness of a Christian who is gentle and humble and and not haughty or proud or overbearing who will help somebody else. They will be a means that the Lord uses, a tool in his hand, instrument in the Redeemer's hand to bring about their, their good. Yeah, and I think it's important that if somebody is coming to you with something too, to recognize they might not, it's going to be awkward for them and they might not do it perfectly. Yeah. But don't let their imperfection in how they approach the conversation. Maybe the timing was weirder than you would have hoped, or maybe they didn't say the words right, or they said something they didn't mean to say that was Mm -hmm. genuinely hurtful. Um, Don't let that be an excuse for a reason that you don't have to repent in your mind. (laughs) Yeah, that's such a good point. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Bright Hearth. 
And uh, we, we really appreciate all of the, the reviews. You guys have left very kind reviews uh, that you've shared this with your friends and uh, shared the episodes on. Uh, you guys are always tagging us on Twitter like, hey, check out this. People say something and they'll say, hey, check out this episode of Brightheart. They talk about this. We really appreciate that. It's, it's very encouraging to see that the Lord is using this humble podcast to uh, genuinely encourage you in Christ and help. Hopefully, we, we'd love to see this used to just bring about the fruitfulness of real Christian households, churches, and communities. So uh, if you appreciate the show and you'd like to help us make it possible and continue doing this, you can support as a patron. Uh, there's a link in the description. It's patreon.com slash brighthearth. And uh, we've got like a weekly little mini show that we do with lots of practical stuff just for patrons there. We have some great merchandise sort of perks as well. Feed the patriarchy mug. Who doesn't want one of those? Uh, so definitely check that out if you haven't already. And uh, until next time, thanks for listening to Brighthearth. <laughs>